0: Welcome in to Duval Daily, your daily dose of Jacksonville Jaguars news and analysis. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're talking about Pat Fryermuth, D.K. Metcalf. We're going to dive into the state of the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line, but with two top draft prospects visiting the Jaguars today, Monday, April 4th, we're going to shift our attention to those prospects and talk about how they could impact the Jacksonville Jaguars. Follow myself, at Jordan Delugo, on Twitter, Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag, and, of course, check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Aiden Hutchinson, the presumed number one overall pick, is in Duval today visiting with the Jaguars, as is Ikem Iki Iquanu out of North Carolina State, another guy who has been mocked to the Jaguars Um, On various platforms, I think NFL.com has had him at number one before. Dane Brugler of The Athletic has had Equanu at number one. We'll talk about these guys a little bit. So yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, he was on his uh, Instagram story sharing some uh, little videos of walking around the Jaguars facility. Saw that at around one o'clock today. Hutchinson, we've talked about him on the show quite a bit on our podcast. I've probably talked about him on Duval Daily already. But this is a guy who is 6'7", 260 pounds. Excellent athlete for his size. Um, Very explosive, very fast. Quick first step. Strong, strong incredibly productive for Michigan last year. He's a force to be reckoned with. He has the speed off the line to threaten the edge. Then he has a variety of moves he can work to, to either win around the edge or come back across the face of the tackle and get some pressure uh, with an inside move. He, he, he has a wide variety of options of, of moves at his disposal. Um, and he used them incredibly well. He's very refined, incredible effort down in and down out, whether he's needing to pick up a big pressure or sack on a third down or whether he's needing to set a hard edge against the run, he's able to do so from both a two-point and three-point stance, which is obviously helpful from a versatility perspective. Um, He played a lot of interior defensive line earlier in his career and kind of made the move to playing edge more full time in 2021, it really suited him. Well, he was a perfect fit for what Michigan needed. And I don't have any questions about Aiden Hutchinson and his floor. This is a guy who's going to come in. I think he will be a double digit sack producer. I think he will be very good against the run. And I think he is going to be a team leader, a tone setter, a hard worker. I think there's so many reasons teams can fall in love with Aiden Hutchinson. And I think the Jaguars probably do love a ton of what they've seen from Aiden Hutchinson, the player and the person on and off the field. He can do a lot for you. And pairing him with a guy like Josh Allen is going to make Josh Allen better. It's going to make the rest of the defense better. The Jaguars have already inserted Arden Key, who can kind of win on third down situations from the interior, but he's more in a defensive end body, uh, defensive end outside linebacker frame at 6'5, 240. But you slide him in on those pass rushdowns on the interior, and he's able to give guards a fit. They can't keep up with him athletically. Um, and they also added Foley Faukashi, so this is a team that the defensive line has improved. I don't think it's where you need it to be yet, but adding Aiden Hutchinson to that mix, I can see why that would be very enticing from a culture perspective, from a talent perspective, from is this guy gonna come in and contribute from day one? and be, be someone who we can rely on? Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be that guy. Is he going to be an all pro ever in his career? Maybe not. Maybe. I mean, I think, I think the ceiling is there for him to be one of the elite guys at his position. I don't know how likely it is that he gets there with some of his limitations in terms of length, in terms of his lateral agility, his movement and space while he tested incredibly well. I don't think that the tape really reflects that level of bend or overall athleticism. He is a great athlete on tape, but he's not changing directions the way, the way you saw him at the combine. He's not bending the way you saw him uh, bend at the combine. So I think it's a little misleading, not terribly misleading, because he's a fine athlete for his size, especially. And he's got just an arsenal of moves, of ways to win. And he's going to help your team immediately. And he's in Duval right now, meeting with your Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll have the opportunity to select him at number one overall, if they so choose. And he's the favorite. He's the odds-on favorite. Look at any betting website. This is the guy that everybody's penciling into the Jaguars at number one overall. Especially too, you look at mock drafts, heavy favorite in terms of what the experts are saying around the country is Aiden Hutchinson, Ikiakwaniu, offensive tackle prospect out of NC State. He's six four, about three twenty. Great, great build. Very long arms. Um, the first thing that pops off, and, and if you've looked at at all you'll you'll know this unbelievable violence and movement in the run game he just crushes his opponents when it comes to at the point of attack he blows them off the ball with great power athleticism plays with leverage punch timing um, in terms of getting his hands on the defender prior to the defender being able to kind of guard his chest and that's against defensive ends when you talk about him getting up on linebackers and defensive backs he has great balance to land hits against these guys who who are smaller and he just buries them destroys them to me it looks like he plays on the line between just very aggressive and maybe almost like going too far but not a super, super heavily penalized guy. So excuse me, he was able to get away with a lot of that in college and maybe it wasn't crossing the line, but he plays right up to that line and he does play through the whistle Uh, and it's fun to watch. And so that can be a tone setting type of thing, right? If you're the Jaguars, you want to help Trevor Lawrence by running the ball. You want to get your running backs who hopefully are healthy for the regular season Travis Etienne and James Robinson, hopefully they're healthy and ready to go. You want to get them going, Ikki is going to help you do that. Now, he's made a lot of progress in his pass protection and his sets and his overall timing and footwork and all of that as a pass protector, but he's still got a long way to go in terms of the consistency and his ability to pass protect and his ability to vertical set. Um, and just stay balanced and and stay consistent with what he's doing and stay disciplined. He's made progress there, but he's not at the level of Evan Neal in pass protection from a technical standpoint or Charles Cross. Uh, Charles Cross is light years ahead of him in pass protection. But Iquanu is an insane athlete, incredibly powerful, dominant run blocker, absolutely going to be a tone setter for your offensive line. And both of these guys are visiting with the Jaguars. That shouldn't come as a surprise. The Jaguars will probably meet with every single top draft prospect um, prior to the draft, because you're not only doing this, even if you know that you're not going to draft this guy or not going to have the opportunity to draft this guy, you never know what happens with trades. You never know what might pop up with one of these guys, uh, you know, just days or moments prior to the draft that could see their, their stock plummet. Like you saw with miles Jack who fell to the second round for the Jaguars um, or, you know, Laramie Tunsell with a completely different reasoning for why he fell, but there's different things that pop up and you have to do your due diligence in that regard. And also four years from now, some of these guys are going to be hitting free agency. Have you met with them? Do you know them? Do you have a profile on them? Yeah, if you meet with them now, you will have that. You'll have the most information you can get to to make the best possible decision down the road. So yeah, you're going to meet with a lot of guys that you're not going to draft just to get a feel for them and to know what you're dealing with down the road. You want to have a book on all these guys. But both of these guys could be in play at number one overall. I would guess... Aiden Hutchinson is more in play, but a lot of people have pointed to Iki Aquanu and his physical traits and his upward trajectory as a guy that Trent Balky could love. Jaguars general manager Trent Balky does love some traits and Iki's got them. Aiden Hutchinson doesn't necessarily have the length that Trent Balky has shown to that has he has shown that he loves with some of his first round defensive linemen he drafted in the past at San Francisco, but He's got a whole lot. He's got a whole lot to sell you on. Aiden Hutchinson does. So, yeah, good chance one of those guys that's in Jacksonville right now is going to end up being a Jacksonville Jaguar. Probably Aiden Hutchinson, but Icky would not shock me. Um, You've heard a lot of buzz on Trayvon Walker. That would not shock me. Evan Neal or Kayvon Thibodeau would not shock me. I think from a talent perspective, Kyle Hamilton should be in that conversation as well. Obviously, you can debate about the value of a safety at number one overall. I don't see the value in that, even though I do think he's one of the best two or three players in this class. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways this can go. Everyone's leaning towards Aiden Hutchinson right now, but don't be surprised if one of these other guys is the name that you hear with the first overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. So we've also got a couple other fun tidbits to look at here. Pat Fryermuth, who he was my second favorite tight end in the class last year. Obviously, Kyle Pitts was the gem of that draft. The crown jewel, if you will, at tight end, if that's what you even want to call him. But Pat Fryermuth was my number two tight end. I had a late first on him. There was a lot of reasons to connect dots between Fryermuth and the Jaguars last year in the draft. They had that late first round pick, that early second round pick, and then the mid second round pick as well, which all of those spots seemed to make sense for a guy like like Pat Fryermuth, who was one of the best tight ends in college his entire career in terms of production. He could line up in line and block for you and get the job done there. Very good route runner, a good athlete at the position, not a great athlete at the position, but uh, the Jaguars needed someone like that. So it was easy to connect that dot. And then you also see Tyler Bowen. He was the Jaguars tight end coach. He had coached Fryermuth at Penn State. And then we hear this from Pat Fryermuth today. He told Adam Brenneman on Brenneman's podcast recently that the Jags called him and told him he was going to be the pick at 45 overall. I'm not sure what happened between that phone call and when the actual pick was turned in. When when you have Walker Little go into the Jaguars at 45 overall and Fryermuth falling down to Pittsburgh. I'm not sure. But for me, not, not looking at this from a hindsight perspective, but looking at it, just what I thought about Walker little and Pat Friermuth as prospects going into the draft. I had Friermuth, like I said, as a late first, I had Walker little as a third round pick. He was a guy that you hadn't seen play in two years coming off the ACL in 2019 and then not playing because of the PAC 12 kind of mishandling the way the COVID protocols went the next season. So you hadn't seen him in a long time. That was just uh, and prior to his injury and not playing because of COVID, he was a young inconsistent player. He had a lot of upside, clearly physical ability, huge frame, good athlete, so there's a lot of reasons to like Walker Little, but there was also a lot of questions and a lot of other good tackles in the class. If I was picking at 45, not knowing what I know now, I would have absolutely taken Friarmuth over Walker Little. But what do, we do, know, what do we know now that we didn't know then? We know that Friarmuth went to Pittsburgh, had a heck of a rookie season. He caught 76% of his passes. I mean, I think Dan Arnold had a pretty good season for the Jaguars last year in the eight games he played for the team. But he was not nearly as reliable as Fryermuth was who and Fryermuth, like I said, he showed off that route running. He showed off his contested catch ability, just his his clutch hands, his ability to get big catches on third downs. He scored seven touchdowns. I think he caught sixty passes for the Steelers. Yeah, the Jaguars could use that. Obviously, you look at Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram, and you feel decent about that pairing at tight end if you're a Jaguars fan. But neither of those guys is the level of player in terms of consistency that Pat Fryermuth is. And neither has the ability to go up and win those contested 50-50 balls consistently like Pat Fryermuth does. But the Jaguars went and got Walker Little with that 45th pick. They decided to not really play him all that much in his rookie year until they had to get him into the lineup due to injuries. Uh, He came in a couple times early in the season and kind of struggled. Against Buffalo, he had no idea he was going to have to enter that game until right before the game kicked off. And he was kind of thrown to the wolves. He talked about how difficult that was. But. Uh, Later in the season, when Cam Robinson went down with injury, the last two games, Walker Little started for the Jaguars against the Patriots and against the Colts. And he looked damn good, Uh, allowed one pressure between both contests. He can move guys in the running game. He's got all the physical traits. He's developing his technique. I obviously would have said Pat Fryermuth prior to the draft, but looking back now, I think you could make an argument for either guy. Fryermuth had more opportunities during his rookie season, but when you look at what Walker Little could become at a position of extreme need and value in the NFL, uh, you know offensive tackles are valued amongst the highest paid players in the league. Uh, certainly get paid a lot more than tight ends do. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And, of course, Pat said he's happy that he did not end up going to Jacksonville. Uh, Who wouldn't be after what happened in 2021, right? I think all the guys that were drafted last year in Jacksonville, the fact that they made it through the season and uh, didn't lose their minds with what was going on with Urban Meyer is really impressive. I think Trevor, Travis Etienne, Walker Little, Andre Sisko all these guys, I I really respect what they went through. And I really hope that Doug Peterson is able to give them a more stable situation. And it'd be hard not to be able to do that, to be completely honest. But I just think it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of years, how the, the trajectories of these two players, uh, how it, how it kind of works out after Friar shares that the Jacks told him he was going to be the pick at 45. What In an alternate reality, what would it be like if the Jaguars had selected him at 45? Um, damn good season for Pittsburgh as a rookie. We'll see if, uh, if if Walker Little is able to establish himself as a starting tackle for the Jaguars. It'd be shocking to me if he couldn't beat out a Jawan Taylor at right tackle. And we still don't know what Cam Robinson is going to do here in terms of, is he going to sign the franchise tag? Are they going to work out a long-term deal? Very much up in the air still on Cam Robinson and, and what his future in Duval is going to be like. So our final topic here today is going to be DK Metcalf. Is he available? You know, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN basically reported that there's executive around executives around the league that believe DK could be available. There's a lot of buzz on him um, and. There's some rumblings that DK might be happier to go elsewhere than to stay in Seattle. But from a a public perspective, Seattle is saying they would like to keep DK Metcalf. They want to get him a long-term contract. 2022 is the final year of his rookie deal. So kind of a lot of misinformation going on. Is he available? Is he not available? Should should teams be picking up the phone and trying to figure out how they can bring DK Metcalf to their respective organizations? I'm not sure if he's available. But if he is, absolutely a thousand times, yes, the Jaguars should pursue this man. 24 years old. So he's going to be 25 next offseason. He's only 24. His first three seasons in the NFL, over 3,000 yards through his first three years, 29 touchdowns. He's a big play waiting to happen. He's six four, 235 pounds, and ran a 4'3". He leaped 40 inches at that size. I mean, this guy is a monster. When you talk about freak or you talk about a rare type of specimen, That is what DK Metcalf is. What would it take to land him? That's a good question. I think if I was the Jaguars, I would be sitting here offering 33, 65, or 70 in terms of the draft picks they have this upcoming draft at the end of the month. I'd offer both those picks, and I'd throw in a 2023 second If that did not get the job done, I'd be willing to make that 2023 second a 2023 first and bet on the fact that we are not going to be a team that's going to be drafting at the top of the draft if we're able to add someone like DK Metcalf, if we're able to continue to build the infrastructure around Trevor Lawrence and develop him properly. You give Trevor Lawrence DK Metcalf and Christian Kirk as his top two targets, when last year his top target for a good portion of the season was Laquan Treadwell, who couldn't find a job in the league prior to arriving in Jacksonville. Look, I like Laquan Treadwell's story. I think he's a great, great person, great personality. I think the fact that he's been able to continue to be positive and and, and battle and, and try to carve out a role for himself in the NFL is awesome. But he should not be a starting wide receiver for your football team. DK Metcalf and Christian Kirk, given those two weapons to Trevor Lawrence, along with getting Dan Arnold back, getting Evan Ingram, who's another playmaker, despite his inconsistencies, Evan Ingram can make big plays for you, no question about it. Then you bring those running backs back. You're looking at a good group of offensive weapons if you can land DK Metcalf, and sure, you could sit here and argue that, well, you could draft a receiver at 33 instead of trading for DK Metcalf, and then you wouldn't have to pay Metcalf as well, because whoever you draft, you're going to have four years of a cost-controlled contract at the very least with that guy. But guess what? You ain't drafting DK Metcalf in the second round of this year's draft. I just don't see it. Yeah, I like George Pickens, but he is not DK Metcalf. Um, You don't know how quickly your second-round pick or your third-round pick at wide receiver is going to come in and be able to be a reliable contributor for Trevor Lawrence. And DK Metcalf, you're not only getting a reliable contributor, you're getting an alpha, a true number one receiver. I don't know how you could pass that up. Op- Opportunity up if you're the Jaguars. You wasted Trevor Lawrence's rookie year surrounding him with less than ideal talent, with horrendous coaching at the top, and now you have the opportunity if DK is available to go trade for him. I know this is going to get some backlash. I I would offer the number one pick for DK Metcalf if I couldn't land him elsewise I really would. Who are you going to draft at number one that's going to be better than D.K. Metcalf over the next 10 years? I don't know if I would bet on any of these players being a better player over the next 8 to 10 years than D.K. Metcalf. He's got one of the rarest physical profiles that you could imagine at the wide receiver position. You don't know what the number one pick is going to turn into once they get into the NFL. You have no idea. No one does. You want to make sure you're getting Trevor Lawrence the best possible talent, the best chance to succeed? Landing DK Metcalf would do that for you. And, you know, the the Jaguars probably would not throw the farm at a trade like this just because That's an extremely aggressive move. It's a move that is going to cost you salary cap space and draft capital. But they have the cap space to get it done. They're in a very healthy cap situation over the next several years. They have plenty of draft capital to get the the job done. Give Trevor Lawrence that alpha on the outside. And you pair DK and Christian together, you have got some serious, home run threats there. Plus Travis Etienne, if he returns to health, I mean, now you're looking at a team that can really take the top off of defense and create some chunk plays. And that is the name of the game in the NFL today. So yeah, I I would trade the number one pick for DK Metcalf and sign him to a long-term deal. I would do it. But that wouldn't be my first offer. I'd try to get in there with a couple seconds and a third-round pick and see if that can get the job done. If not, maybe offer that 2023 first if that can't get the job done. I would. I would go all in with with the number one pick to secure DK Metcalf because I think if we're talking odds, if we're talking statistical probability, Is the odds of the person the Jaguars draft with the number one overall pick being better than DK Metcalf being a bigger asset for Trevor Lawrence? Are the odds of that high? I don't think so. Like I said, DK Metcalf is one of the freakiest wide receiver prospects we've ever seen. And I I can't believe that the NFL let him fall so far in the draft essentially because he couldn't run a three-cone to save his life. Guess what? When you're that big and that fast and that talented, you don't need a terrific three-cone. Pulling up his mock draftable right now, which is a great resource, if you guys aren't sure what it is. Basically shows you a spider chart of all the percentiles for athletic testing and uh, and size. DK Metcalf, bench press, 98th percentile. Height, 86th percentile. Weight, 95th percentile. Wingspan, 98th percentile. Arm length, 86th percentile. Hand size, 82nd percentile. 40-yard dash, 94th percentile. Vertical jump, 93rd percentile. Broad jump, 97th percentile. Then you look at the three cone and the 20-yard shuttle, and yeah, can't do it. Couldn't care less. Guy should have been a first-round pick all day and a top-ten pick all day. And I think he is, if you put him in this draft, and I know he doesn't cost the same amount as these draft picks, he's going to cost you more over the next four years than your draft pick will. You've got plenty of salary cap space over the next four years. But if you just put him in this draft, he would be my number one pick. Without question. And you have the benefit of seeing him do it in the NFL. He's still only 24 years old. Really incredible. But yeah, if he's available, the Jaguars should absolutely be doing everything they can to land him if he's not available, I think they should still be doing their due diligence on pretty much every veteran receiver that has a contract that's expiring in the next couple of years. Because if you can go land a proven receiver, a young guy going into his second contract, that can be a legit number one that you can pair with Christian Kirk for Trevor Lawrence to ensure that he'll have the type of weapons he needs to succeed over the next couple years. I mean, you cannot waste his second year. Like you did his first year. If you waste his first two years as a pro, you're only going to have two years left on that rookie deal. And he's going to be ready to get the hell out of here. You got to help him more than you have. I know you signed Christian Kirk and I I think he's going to help a lot. I don't think Zay Jones moves the needle for you at all. There's no one else on the roster at wide receiver. That's moving the needle for you. Go get d k Metcalf is he if he's out there and if he's not i think continue to pursue other trades for potential number one targets that have proven they can get it done in the n f l if you can't do that, you better be damn sure that you're you know what you're doing in that scouting department at wide receiver which are you i'm not. That's going to do it for the show today, though. Thank you for tuning in to Duval Daily. Make sure to check out JinJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Have a great Monday.